You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. But now, it's time for this week's interview. Here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to episode number 27 for Monday the 5th of September 2016. My guest on today's show is Maggie James, a British author who lives in Bristol and writes psychological suspense novels. Before turning her hand to writing, Maggie worked mainly as an accountant with a diversion into practising as a nutritional therapist. She's best known for her thrillers, but also writes about non-fiction topics, in particular nutrition, but she's also written a book about writing called Write Your Novel From Getting Started to First Draft. Recently, she accepted a publishing deal with Amazon's Lake Union imprint, which would involve the republication of her first novel, His Kidnapper's Shoes. Since we recorded this interview, Maggie's book, The Second Captive, has won the Best Novel category, and Blackwater Lake has won the Best Novella category in the 2016 Bards and Sages eFestival of Words Awards. So, my congratulations to Maggie on that fabulous achievement. It's great news to hear. When we recorded our chat, I started by asking Maggie how she'd made the transition from the dry job of accounting to the creative career of writing. I've been itching to get out of accountancy for a number of years, you know. It's, it's not as bad a profession as people make out, but it's never going to set my world on fire. And I, it was kind of nagging away at me that I wanted to be a novelist. And um, I ended up having a bit of a falling out with my employers, which um, at the time I was, I was quite annoyed about, and, you know. You know, saw myself as a bit of a victim and all this sort of stuff. And it's, um, I suddenly had a bit of a light bulb moment. I thought, you know, I don't enjoy my job particularly. I want to be a writer, you know. I can't see things getting better at work, so um, let's take a year off, go off travelling, and when I come back, I'm going to become a novelist, and that was about it, really. Um, That's exactly what I did. I went off travelling. Travelling is one of my passions in life, and my secret goal, which I didn't tell anyone before I left, was to actually come back with a finished novel, and that's what happened. I came back. I set myself up on a temporary basis as a dog walker, because another of my passions in life is animals. And so I just supported myself by walking people's dogs whilst I started writing and learning the basics about publishing, formatting, you know, all all the nuts and bolts of being a writer. And I'm very pleased to say that about 20 months ago, I made the transition to being a full-time novelist. So That's absolutely amazing. Yeah, congratulations with that. Thank you. This sounds like there's a bit of the entrepreneur in you because most people, and I mean, accountants is a really good example of this. Most people in accountancy would say, I'm never leaving the job. I'm never leaving the salary. I'm not taking the punt to do that. That was a real leap into the into the darkness over the cliff, wasn't it, when you did that? I guess it was, but I felt I had no choice, really. It was, um, I'd seen my parents grow old and die. And I know at least, my dad at least had regrets about things he didn't accomplish in his life. Life. And long ago, I vowed not to be one of those people who die with regrets about what they haven't achieved. And it was really nagging away at me that I was approaching my 50th birthday and I still hadn't written a novel, despite saying all my life that's what I wanted to do. And it was just, it was literally within in a minute, you know, my attitude just changed. I just thought, right, I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to cast aside all notions about security and financial security in my home and all that sort of stuff and pensions. And I'm just going to 
to go for it because life is too short. And that, as an author, I hate cliches, but I mean, that's true, I'm afraid. it's Life is too short. I just had to go for it. I really, really did. And it's I've never regretted it for a second, not once. Not once did I ever think, oh, I wish I'd stayed as an accountant. Um, never. My accountancy training is actually give me a good background, you know, to set up my business. You know, I'm, I'm fine with doing my accounts and tax. I, I operate through a limited company and all that is, is absolutely fine. It's not a problem for me. So the accountancy is still hanging around in a way. You know, I've never never quite got past that because I put it to use on a daily, in a daily basis. Yeah, it's a good little skill to have. We all have to do accountancy or, or farm it out to somebody. So it is a nice one to have. Exactly. Okay, so um, there must have been some pretty scary moments when, when you did it? Um, not really, no. I was so carried away with the sort of the enthusiasm and the exhilaration of what I was doing that, no, it's all it all proved to be a lot easier than I thought. My main concern was that I've always been somebody who's very much valued financial security. And as you say, I, I gave up the security of a job and a set wage coming in. And I was worried about how I would deal with that. And like everything else, that has proved to be a lot easier than I, than I anticipated. You know, it's just not really been an issue. I think the overriding thing was I was so overjoyed to be going off traveling and writing and accomplishing these dreams I'd held for so long that I think fear, the fear has just faded into the background really that's that's the best way I can think of putting it. Had you done any writing in the past did you have a, a, a writing credentials on which to base this or did you take the leap precisely so that you could explore the writing? I did take the leap in that in that spirit Yes, I mean, I'd always wanted to be a novelist from the time I was a little girl. It's the only thing I'd ever wanted to do, but I just did nothing about it. I think I'd, I procrastinated for decades. You know, I think it was fear of fear of making that leap held me back. And, um, you know, so it wasn't until I was approaching my 50th birthday that I got going. And I, I started before I went on my big trip just by writing some very short stories, short, short stories. And I dipped my toe in the water by just writing some fan fiction around TV shows that I enjoyed, as simple as that. And gradually my confidence grew, um, partly because I posted them online and got some very good feedback. And it just started from those small beginnings. But when I actually made the leap, I hadn't, at that stage, ever written a novel. It was just my intention that I would go away. And during that 12-month window, I would write my novel. So, yeah, it was quite a leap of faith now. Now I look back on it. But... As I say, I was so driven, so enthusiastic that at the time it didn't really seem that way. There must have been a lot of distractions while you were travelling then and trying to write. How difficult was it? That was very difficult. And it's something I need to bear in mind for the future because my aim is to become a nomadic novelist and to travel with my laptop and write as I go. But, I mean, the two don't really dovetail that well, to be honest. I mean, I like to travel quite fast and furiously. You know, I'm on and off of buses and planes and I like to travel quite quickly and that's just not conducive to writing because I find with my writing I very much need stability a set routine quiet so what I'm thinking of doing is I'm going to have to change the way I travel I think and I'm going to have to base myself in one place for longer so that I can actually have that quiet routine that I need in order to travel so um, yeah it was a distraction when I was on my big trip back in 2000 10 you know the months were ticking by and I still hadn't written a novel and um, I did eventually come back with one but it took quite a few months into my trip 
before I actually buckled down and started to write. And I had to do that by basing myself in one place for four months at a time in order to get the book written. I couldn't do it if I'd, if I'd been travelling the way I normally do. I don't think it's possible, not for me anyway. That first book is quite a journey because you don't really know where the journey is going to end. It's, it's, it's almost like what you did in your own life. It, it's a leap off a cliff, that first book, because you've never done that journey before. How, how difficult did you find it? Were you plagued by a lot of self-doubt? Um, I don't remember that. No, Paul, to be honest. It was, it was difficult because I didn't really know what I was doing. I had this vision that to write a novel, you open up Microsoft Word and you start typing. And I'm a lot more organised and streamlined these days I mean that's not and I know some people do write that way but for me it doesn't really work but I, I didn't at the time know any other way of doing things so that's what I did I was quite disciplined in the way that I set myself a writing target I had to write every single day you know no matter what so I just I just wrote and I I through that I gained some sort of sense about how much I could comfortably write in a day and it was very motivational because I because I'm a bit of a geek with these things I kept a spread my progress and every day I could see my word total mounting up and mounting up and I had this this image in my mind that I had to get to about 100,000 words to write a novel so I could see that I was like 60% of the way there 70% and I found that hugely motivational and it was when I wrote the first the last words of a novel it was for me a very emotional moment it was uh, yeah I'll always remember that moment when I typed the last words it's uh, quite something. I'd finally done it at last. It felt good. Believe me, it really did. And then as a new author, new authors then have to discover that actually the journey is just beginning <laughs> at that point, yeah. isn't it? There's so much more to do. So how did you take it from that point? Oh, I had no idea at that point what there was to do. I mean, I had no website. I had no social media presence apart from my, you know, my personal social media presence. But, you know, I didn't have anything set up. My writing platform form just didn't exist I had no idea about formatting how to edit in fact I didn't even really know about publishing because I just thought well I will come back to the UK and I'll try and find an agent or a publisher and then I got chatting to this lovely lady called Molly who I met in Bolivia and she said have you, you considered self-publishing and I thought well no I haven't actually and I looked into it and then immediately clicked I thought you know this is it this holds all the advantages you know this has got, got to be the way forward you know it really does so uh, from that moment, I started learning all I could about self-publishing and uh, went on from there, really. And I've so never, never any aspirations to be traditionally published then? No, I didn't actually. No, once I talked to Molly and I'd made that decision, you know, I was firmly convinced it was the way forward. I really was. You know, I, it seemed to hold all the cards for me. It seemed to hold every advantage compared to traditional publishing. And I actually made a found that I would never become traditionally published and between then and now I did turn down about three years ago I think it was a traditional publishing contract but uh, I don't know how much you looked at my website but in March I actually did sign a contract a publishing contract I've seen this and this is very interesting yes I know. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to explore that a little later if that's sure, okay but yes, yes I've, yeah, we'll I've, I've it, clocked you know. it and I do want to delve a little deeper into that because it's very interesting and yeah, um, because it's, it's timely it's not a traditional publishing contract, so I, I guess I've, kept, I've stuck to my promise. You know, I, I still say even now that I wouldn't sign the old-fashioned type of contract. And to be honest, I, I can't really understand why anyone would, but uh, that's another story. Let's have a look at that first book then, His Kidnapper's Shoes. How, how long did it take you from finishing it abroad to, to getting it actually 
out there and, and also how long until you got any kind of traction any feeling that people were finding it and reading it right let me see i finished it in february 2011 and between when it was published which was march 2013 i was kind of busy doing other things i guess i was learning my trade about how to how to get published things like that but I was also completing the rest of my trip once I'd finished the book in February and I didn't come back from my trip till October you know I was spending my time doing what I thought was editing it you know and I, again I had no idea what editing was I thought I'd just open up my Microsoft Word document and tweak things here and there and again I'm much more streamlined now but yeah I was, I was completing the rest of my trip because I'd planned what I'd, I'd done what I planned to do with the book when I came back I got involved in selling my house house and buying my flat and uh, I started writing my second novel as well so to cut a long story short his kidnapper shoes wasn't published until March 2013 and I can't remember if I had a website by then I think I might have had a very basic one I'm not sure but to answer your question I'm not sure how long it was before I started feeling that I was really getting traction with things um I guess it just it was a slow burn it happened you know minute by minute day by day I suddenly started noticing that I was making more sales i think publishing the, the subsequent books ob obviously helped and things just started slotting into place really i noticed looking at your amazon author page that we've also actually got some non-fiction books too we've got some nutrition books and we've got a book write your novel where, where did they come in your writing journey right the, going back to the nutrition books they're very much a sideline for me um, when i was getting fed up with being an accountant i thought well I might as well go and do something I enjoy whilst I beaver away at the writing, even though at that stage I hadn't even got going on the writing. So I, I went off and trained for, as a nutritional therapist uh, for three three years and then set up a practice. And I found that in practice I hated it. You know, it's, it's hard going dealing with people um, when it comes to nutrition. So it's very much a sideline. But whilst I was doing that, I did write four nutrition-based books. And when I came back from my big trip, I thought, well, they're sitting on my computer. I might as well publish them. And so that's what I did. I, I don't do anything to promote them. I hardly ever think about them, to be honest. But they are there if, you know, because I do have that nutrition training and background. They're there if, if people do want to read them and buy them. As regards the Write Your Novel book, I felt for quite a while I wanted to, to help other would-be novelists. I knew the struggle I'd gone through in order to you know make that leap of faith and become a novelist I know you know how difficult it, it can be I know all about the procrastination and the excuses we all make about not following our dreams and I just wanted to write a book that would encourage other would-be novelists and to get them to the stage where they felt you know they could actually start tackling their novel and I so I wrote that when I was I was a little bit burnt out from writing fiction to be honest so it, it kind of did me good to divert into non-fiction so um, that's the story behind that one. It's interesting that you say that because I know you're about to interview Joanna Penn, who says that she uses nonfiction as a palate cleanser between the, the fiction books. Uh, it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Yes, I guess it was actually. Yeah, I was I was abroad again um, and I was fishing. I just could not find any fiction ideas that fitted with, with what I wanted. I played around with a couple of ideas. Nothing was really working. And I, I went through this stage at, I gather a lot of authors go through, oh, my God, you know, I'm burnt out. I'll never write anything again. You know, it's all ridiculous looking back. But I just thought, right, you know, I've got to get out of this funk somehow. So what I would do is I've had it in mind for ages to write this book for a would-be novelist. Let, let's divert to nonfiction. It was absolutely the right thing to 
do you know it did it was a palate cleanser you know it got my mojo back really so um and i loved writing that and people have said they found it very helpful which is good i'm interested that you've listed your non-fiction with your fiction I know i'm i'm having this dilemma at the moment in that <laughs> my mum and dad didn't give me a middle name which leaves me out an initial so i've got limited permutations with yeah. this but i i put my non-fiction separately so i write non-fiction under p teague and fiction under paul teague and um and i and i split them but i notice you've put yours together have you found any anything any disadvantages or advantages with that does it just not register at all it just doesn't register i don't think i mean it never occurred to me to use uh, a different name for my nutrition books you know I always want I knew I wanted for my main fiction titles to use my own name not a pen name and it no it never occurred to me to, to use a different name for the nutrition books I think because they are very much a minor thing for me a sideline you know I said I don't actually do a great deal with them other than keep them up on Amazon so it wasn't wasn't really a problem for me I think if I diverted into another genre I would possibly or very definitely I, I I suspect, you know, either use a pen name or use some variation on my name. Um, and like you, I'm quite lucky. I've got two middle names, so I could go down that route or, or just use a completely new name altogether. So, uh, yeah, I might well do that. if I, I'm thinking of branching out to the sort of thing Stephen King writes, you know, more supernatural-based uh, thrillers. But um, who knows? At the moment, I'm quite happy to write psychological thrillers. They're, they're great fun. Now, when I was researching you for this interview, I was listening to, I think it must have been an audio interview now, but I, when, when you were being asked about plotting or pantsing, I think you mentioned something like a snowflake system. Oh, yeah. Which, and I found that really interesting because I, I'm kind of like a bit of a hybrid, a bit of planning, but a bit of pantsing, otherwise I lose interest in it. Can you just talk us through your, your snowflake system? Because I thought this was a very way, good way of expressing it. Yes, it's, for me it's worked well. It was a, a gentleman called Randy Ingermanson, I hope I pronounced that right, who set up the system. And it's, it's uh, built on the fact that if you, if you get a snowflake under the microscope, its, it's sides are all sort of crenellated and very detailed. And he takes that approach and applies it to, to plotting a novel. So you take the basic premise of your novel and write a one sentence, you know, gist of it really and then you just expand on that you keep expanding and you keep expanding in the way that you know the sides of a snowflake get more and more detailed so your plot gets more and more detailed and there's 10 steps to his process um you know i've kind of worked my own variation on it really but at the end of it you end up with like a fully fledged plan for your novel and i've actually found for me that works quite well i suspect i'm i'm moving a little bit away from becoming a detailed planner, I think. I'm, I suspect I'm going to become what my friend calls a plantser, so I'm going to be somewhere in between a pantser and a plotter, because much as I like the idea of planning in detail, you know, it appear, appeals to my sort of logical left brain side, I actually find when it comes to it, I can't be a plan beyond a certain stage. It's as if my, my creative side, my right-hand side of the brain takes over then, and I find I actually... It's more valuable for me to sort of write book in draft form and then work on the plotting as I go along. Often I find that I can't work things out until I start writing. So I suspect that might be the way I go in future is just accept that's how I write and, you know, plot it to a certain stage and then plow into the writing and work the rest of it out as I go. At least that's what certainly the way I'm working on my current book anyway, and it seems to be working quite well. 
And how do you work the editing process? Do you go externally or do you do, you do that yourself? Well, as, as we said, we're going to talk a bit later on about um, the contract I signed. The book I'm working mm. on at the moment and His Kidnapper Shoes, which is going to be republished, I've actually been assigned an editor and she's absolutely fantastic. And that was a great process for me to work through you know, with a professional editor with on my books. But before that, I just didn't, I didn't really have the funds for an editor. I had to do the best I could. You know, I'm, I'm pretty crash hot on when it comes to things like grammar, spelling and punctuation. I'm a bit of a nerd about those things, to be honest. And I did the best I could, you know, using my own resources. There's a piece of software called Pro Writing Aid, which, which is absolutely brilliant. You know, that, that's been very helpful. It's uh, an online editing software system. And I've got some friends who are also very, you know, hot on grammar and punctuation. So I use beta readers to, to do the best I can. But ha having worked now with a professional editor, you know, I can't think that I want to go back to doing that because, you know, her input was so valuable. You know, it, it just sort of changed everything. And working with her is was a fantastic experience. I've worked with her on one novel now, which is His Kidnapper's Shoes, and before the end of the year, I'll be putting my current work in progress, called, which is called Burning Obsession, through the editing process, and I can't wait. It really does make a huge difference. But I accept that, you know, many, for many novelists who are starting out, the cost of getting professionally edited, it is prohibited. Prohibitive. That's very interesting, because y you yourself must look at his kidnapper's shoes now because you know you're so many books down the line now and you must look back at your first one and say actually i could probably do that better now because i've learned so much and then you've got a professional editor looking at it too how, how much has it actually had to change then to be to be refreshed or revamped that one hasn't had to change a great deal to be honest um it didn't feel like we had to do a lot of work together to be honest she wanted me to totally change well not totally change but certainly change the focus of one of the main characters because she said he didn't come across very well to her you know he wasn't a terribly likable guy and she felt he'd be much better if we made him you know somebody the reader can empathize with more easily and she suggested a couple of extra extra scenes i could put in and that was very useful but mostly she she you know we didn't have a great deal to work through to be honest which is quite encouraging i suspect the one i'm working on at the moment will be a different kettle of fish because she will be getting her hands on it before any of my beta readers have seen it so it's going to be in a much more raw state so i suspect that's going to be an interesting experience for me i think there'll be a lot more work to do on the on the current book let's dig into genre a little bit you write psychological suspense novels what what made you go for that genre in particular i'm not sure i did Actually, I think the genre found me rather than the other way round. I know I got the idea for his for his kidnapper's shoes from a conversation I had with some other travellers, and I just I decided on the theme of the book first, and then once I wrote it, I've kind of found it slotted into that genre. And when I, I thought about it, that kind of made sense because I am very interested in. I've never had any training in psychology, but I'm very interested in the workings of the human mind and why humans behave as they do, and you know are often very contradictory and strange behavior so looking back i suppose it makes sense it gelled with my particular interests you know outside of novels and uh, i guess i've just carried on in the same vein I've, I've got no particular um desire to change although i might as i said explore a more sort of supernatural route um at one time i strongly considered writing erotica some that seems to have died away you know, I can't see me going down that route either. 
So for now, I think I'll stick with what I'm, I'm doing with maybe a branch out into horror and supernatural. I definitely won't be writing anything like historical fiction or romances or anything like that. That's just, just not me at all. <laughs> How much do you delve into police procedure in your novels? I'm trying to stay away from that. I'm not, I'm not comfortable writing police procedural stuff, and I'm not terribly comfortable writing anything based on hospitals or medical. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to sit well with me. I've got no particular experience with that sort of thing as regards the police side of things i'm very lucky i've got um i've got contacts with two retired coppers who have been incredibly helpful you know they will read through my scenes and you know tell me what works and you know whether i've got things right i've also got um a book on on crime and police procedures which has been helpful but in general, I try and stay away from that sort of thing. I don't particularly want my books to be seen as police procedural books because they're not, in my view, anyway. So, um, but the, the, I've got the help there if I need it for that sort of thing. Can you remember off the top of your head what your police procedural book is? I'll just put it in the program notes if yeah, you can remember just, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go to my bookshelf and grab it. You see, I might have two actually. No, it's just one. It is The Crime Writer's Guide to Police Practice and Procedure, and it's by a gentleman called Michael O'Byrne. I'll put a link to that then. You find that useful, do you? It's quite yeah, handy. I find that very useful. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I guess it's more useful for me to just go on Facebook and type a quick message to my, uh, my friend who used to, she's just retired from the police force actually to become a full-time novelist so oh. she's a fantastic contact to have because her, her experience is quite fresh and new but also she understands exactly what it's like to be to be a novelist so uh, yeah I, I do have support in that area thank goodness when you came to your second novel how, how easy did you find it then to launch into it having got one under your belt um, it was much easier I think it was because um, before I wrote his kidnapper shoes I had this sort of idea in my head that it was like eating an elephant you know it's just like a huge mammoth task how am I ever going to do them once I've done it you know the next one did seem a lot easier and I wrote Sister Psychopath I don't know if you've heard of the annual NaNoWriMo competition I have yes I take yeah. part in it yes oh right yeah you're another Rimo uh, enthusiast so yeah I wrote it for the I think it's a 2012 NaNoWriMo competition and uh, managed to get to the magical 50,000 word marks, which was good. And then fairly soon after that, I wrote Guilty Innocence. So I think for me, writing the first one was a huge hurdle that I had to get over. And once I'd done it, I realised it wasn't this enormous task that, uh, you know, was really daunting and everything. It was it was quite doable. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a lot easier with Sister Psychopath, I must admit. When did Blackwater Lake come along? Because you've got a a novella in your sales funnel or your sequence and I'm wondering when you realized that you would need to have something like that as a as a taster I guess is it yes it is very much so I wanted to you know I wanted people to be able to sample my work for free and just you know so I think people you know myself included I suspect you know they're maybe a bit wary of taking a gamble on an unknown author so I just thought well you know I'll I will write a novella. It'll give me a chance to write something a bit shorter, so writing a different format. And I'll just put it out there and see how it goes. And it's, I published, I think it was last September, I published Blackwater Lake. And it's it's proved very popular. I can't remember how many reviews it's got, but it's got quite a lot of reviews and they're pretty good. It's also had nearly 120,000 downloads. So I'm very pleased with the way that's gone. And it was great fun to write. I also liked this 
subject matter for that book. You know, hoarding compulsion is fascinating. You know, it's really interesting to examine that as the theme of the book. You got the uh, Blackwater Lake novella. That's available in audio as well. I'm interested to know what made you go for audio with that one. I want to go for audio with all my books, to be honest, Paul. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've stuck my toe in the water and got two two of my books in audio version now. I've got um, the non-fiction offering, Write Your Novel. That's, that's available in audio version and Blackwater Lake. The others will be done. Two of them are going to be done under my, my contract, my publishing contract. The other three... I'm actually going to re-edit and issue new versions before the end of the year, so that's the reason they're not in, currently in audio format, because the actual text and narrative is, is going to change. But, uh, you know, for me, it was a very positive experience. You know, the, the guy who narrated the two books, he's, he's a dream to work with. He's got a lovely, lovely voice. You know, it's, it was really good. And it, it was all very easy to do as well. You know, he... I sent him the, the book files, he went away and narrated them, I made any corrections and suggestions, and then it was uploaded. So for me, it's proved very positive, and I do intend to get all my books into audio format. You know, I'm, I, I do agree with Joanna Penn on this one. It, you know, it's definitely the way forward, and, you know, it's easy, and it's risk-free as well. You know, I can't think of a reason not to do it. Did you go revenue share on yours? I did, yes, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a bit like the editing, you know, I didn't have the funds to get them you know, just sort of translated into audio book format there and then. So I just thought, well, fair enough. You know, I'll go down the revenue share route. You know, there's no upfront costs. It's very easy to do. And, uh, yeah, the sales are going well on, on the audio front. They really are. I've been quite, uh, quite pleased with the way that's been going. And also you've put books into a box set. I'm interested to know how that's worked for you too. That's worked really well for me. You know, I get quite a quite a few sales of the box set and again I can't see any reason not to do it it's very easy to do to bundle them together and you know you just obviously need to get a different cover done and uh, to me it seemed a bit of a no-brainer really it's again it's a bit like Blackwater Lake you know it's not for free the box set but people can get three novels for £4.99 you know so they get a bit of a discount so it's just another hopeful hopefully an incentive for people to buy my books and again I've been quite pleased with the way that's been selling i know i've checked you out uh, on, on amazon but do you go wide with your books are you available through the other channels such as you know ibooks and, and nook and kobo no i did go wide at one point in blackwater lake because it's a freebie that's available across all channels but um I, at the moment i'm exclusive with amazon and i can't think that i'm going to change that in the near future as part of a long-term strategy i would like to go long uh, sorry go wide with my books but um it is difficult, really, as it takes time to build, build up sales on other platforms. And they don't make it easy. I mean, Amazon make it so easy to sell your books, whereas other platforms, I find, they don't make it easy. They don't have the, the promotional tools that Amazon have. And I noticed that the minute I went back to being exclusive to Amazon, you know, my sales revenue shot up, because, partly because of, I mean, half my income or about half my income comes from the Kindle Unlimited program because, you know, that's that's an advantage to being an Amazon as well. You know, I get my I get paid for the pages people read of my books, you know, even though they don't buy my books. So at the moment for me it wouldn't be financially viable to not to be exclusive to Amazon. It really wouldn't. 
So just to drill down into that, you're in KDP Select and you make your books available for, for lending on Amazon. And a, a high proportion of your income is coming from just the reads, not actually the ownership. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, um, it's the Kindle Unlimited program. I think I don't, I'm not in it myself, but I think you pay something like £10 a month and you can read unlimited books, but you never own them. You just you get access to them and you get all get paid by the number of pages that people read and so for me that's been very worthwhile it really has you know it's um again people can read my books as part of their subscription if they like them you know they read more which means i get more i get paid for more pages that people read so um yeah i can't, I can't see me coming out in the near future from being exclusive with amazon it's just too financially worthwhile at the moment I know Joanna Penn has a view that long term, you know, you need to build a career which goes wide on various platforms. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's just it's quite hard to do. And at the moment, I'm, I'm not really seeing my way towards doing that. I think I just want to establish myself more firmly as an author by writing more books at this stage anyway. And then when you're in KDP Select, which of the promotional tools are you using? Are you using the, it's five days free, isn't it, in KDP Select? Or are you using the uh, the, the, the dynamic pricing where the pricing goes up uh, I, in stages? Yeah, I use the countdown. I, haven't, I have used the free free offer and you know, it's been very effective for me in the past. But I think book marketing is a, is a movable feast. You know, it's constantly changing. And I don't feel at the moment, and I think other authors tend to agree on, on this that you know offering your book for free via the kdp system is is terribly effective you know i prefer to do regular countdowns i try and, and do a different countdown each month for my books i've got to, at the moment the second captive is on kindle countdown it's available for 99p until sunday or 99 cents if you're in the in the in the states and that works quite well for me because you know i do get paid for people to download my book they get a book for 99p so guys works well all around so at the moment i'm going to carry on doing that each month run a pr different promotion each month for a different book and what supplementary marketing strategies do you use i, I know that you've got a website or that you're on social media but do you do you use paid promos or anything like that yeah, I'm intending to get into um, Facebook advertising. I've experimented with it and I've had no success with it, but I know other authors have had huge success with it. So I'm determined to kind of keep plugging away at that one, see if I can hit the magic formula that will make my Facebook advertising a success. Um, I tend to use other avenues as well. I, I get um, When I run a promotion, I get my books actually sent out on these promotional emails. They're, I mean, there's lots of them. There's ones like all awesome gang and book hippo it's, it's ones where readers can subscribe and they get a daily email telling them about bargain books so i make sure i get on those whenever i run a production a uh, promotion sorry um and also use i have used bookbub in the past although they're fiendishly difficult to get accepted by but i have been lucky enough to get accepted by bookbub and that that was very successful as a means of marketing my books which book got accepted by BookBub? Because, as you say, it is quite a struggle, isn't it? That was his Kidnapper's Shoes. So my plan is to um, keep submitting to BookBub. And, you know, if they say no, well, fair enough. But if they say yes, I'm going to go for it. Because, it, you know, I don't think there are many authors who've failed with BookBub. If, if you're lucky enough to get um, accepted for one of their promotions, you do very well out of it. So, uh, you know, I shall keep hammering away at that one. 
One of the things I spotted that you'd done, and I really like this because I, I, I like Pinterest, but I haven't really found an effective way to use it yet. You were using Pinterest for your reviews. You were you were putting your reviews out there. And I thought, ooh, that's a nice idea. I like that. How, how does that work for you? Um, to be honest, yeah, you, you've just reminded me. I kind of let that fall by the wayside a little bit. But, um, yeah, I just, it was the early days for me with Pinterest and I just thought oh what can I do to have more different boards and have a bit of variety and I thought oh, yeah I'll stick some reviews up there and to be honest as I say I haven't updated it any of that for ages and I probably should do but I just thought it's something a bit different you know if people want to follow me then they can go into my Pinterest boards and you know read a selection of reviews you know it's um it's just another string to my string to the bow really I suppose as well as the writing work I notice on your website that you use affiliate offers too which is it's like an author website 2.0 in that many authors aren't aware that you could do this and you've already mentioned pro writing aid for instance that you use it but you've also got it i think it's an affiliate link it is an affiliate link on your site yeah which is a sensible thing to do isn't it for authors i think it makes sense yeah i mean i I try and be ethical about it you know i wouldn't be an affiliate for uh, anything that i wasn't genuinely you know highly in favor of you know Pro writing it is fantastic. You know, I highly recommend it. So it makes sense for me to be an affiliate for it. You know, you know, so I can introduce other authors to it and other things that I'm affiliate for, like Scrivener and things like that. You know, it's all it's all stuff that I use and I thoroughly believe in. So I'm quite happy to help promote it to other authors. Um, it makes sense to me anyway. Yeah, there's no no reason not to do it, and every reason to do it. I think is a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. No, I think it's good. It's a good technique for authors to use. Um, and um, I noticed that using Scrivener now, you started writing the first novel in Microsoft Word. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've had the Microsoft Word nightmares, presumably, and then moved on to Scrivener. Yeah, I mean, as I say, I'm a bit of a geek with software and computers. So, I mean, writing software, I've probably tried every one there is available on the market for um, for PCs. And, you yeah. You know, it's, I would never go back to Microsoft Word. I still use it for part of the editing process because professional editors use it. So I've had to use it when I'm working with Gillian, who's my editor. But, yeah, I would never go back to Word for writing a book. It's, I mean, it's just not structured in the way that novelists tend to operate, whereas Scrivener, you know, if I could marry a piece of software, it would probably be that one. It, it, it is every bit as good as, as other writers say it is. It's fantastic. It's made a big difference, really. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And and the problem is, is when it goes out for editing and that you then get the edits back with the track changes. And then what, you know, I then have to, well, it, how do you bring it back into Scrivener in, in a sensible way? And that, that I think is the, the weak point of the whole Scrivener process, that the editors don't use it, unfortunately. Yeah, There's no exactly. way of sharing it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's Scrivener it doesn't have a track changes thing. I mean, as far as I, you know, I think, you'd have to just take it out to Microsoft Word to do the editing. And then once the final editing had all been done, you can import back into Scrivener, as you, as you probably know, by using the, the um, split import facilities. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, there's not much it can't do. I found it particularly good for formatting and, you know, publishing my books directly into a Kindle format. You know, there's no messing around. I just pr- click a few buttons and I, I've got a properly formatted Kindle book in front of me. And for that, it's, it's absolutely fine fantastic it's you know it's, it's great for people who like to be very organized with their writing and um, that's me down to a t 
one of the other things I noticed that you've used pr for promotional purposes, and this is again on, on your website, which is extremely good as an author website, uh, are all the interviews that you've got on there. You have got a lot of interviews, people interviewing you and, and you know, also you interviewing other people. Yes. Yeah. How has that worked for you? Because that's a very interesting strategy. I just find it fun, really. I mean, I think if I'm going to be interviewed, you know, I might as well put it on my on my website so people can, you know, delve into what makes Maggie James tick, you know, a little bit more. And, you know, once I get get the link from you to this podcast that'd be going on my website as well so people can listen to it it kind of makes sense to me it just sort of um just seemed you know the thing to do really i guess i probably when i was setting up my website i, I think from memory i sort of took a look at other authors websites and saw what they were doing and some of them had you know links to their interviews on there so i just thought right i'll, I'll do some of that i'll i'll do the, do the same thing really and as regards you know, interviewing other authors, that's just it's fun, really. You know, I, I do, I like to, I very much enjoy keeping my blog up to date and just interviewing other authors is all, uh, for me, it's a fun part of that. I, I know this because I go trying to research people that I want to talk to for the podcast. Not not all authors have a website that is as, as thorough as yours. How important do you think that is for authors to have a website like you've got with social media links on, a, you, you just get everything you could need there? Yeah, I, I think it's vitally important. I know I'm a bit biased because I say I'm a bit geeky with these things. You know, I like technology and websites and software and stuff. But, um, I mean, er earlier today I was looking up a particular author and he doesn't have a website. And, I you know, I really want to find out more about it. But to do that, I would have to cobble together bits and pieces of information from Wikipedia and Amazon. And it just made life a bit difficult, really. And it, it was a shame because I wanted to find out if he had a news letter i could sign up for you know i liked his the, the book i read of his so much i wanted to sign up for his website sign up for his newsletter find out more about him and i couldn't do that so you know that guy potentially is losing sales by not having a you know a decent website i think anyway just kind of makes sense to me to have a one-stop shop on the on the internet where people can find out about, about writers and their books and you've done yours with uh, uh, Weebly yours, isn't it? Because yeah. Wix and Weebly are the ones that people use. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did I did have a go with WordPress. And as I said, I'm, I'm quite technically minded. And, you know, it was all fine, everything. But I couldn't quite get it to do some of the things I wanted to do. And whether that's just the fact I wasn't used to WordPress, I don't know. It probably was because I know people rave about it and they, they swear by it and everything. But I just couldn't get it to look and feel the way I wanted. And, you know, Weebly was is so easy easy to use it really is it's very 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 versatile um you know it, it does everything i need it to do and it's you know if i decided to expand and set up something like a membership site put on my website it's got the capability to do all that it seemed to do everything wordpress could do but much much easier to be honest so uh, i've just stuck with it i like it you know it's um i can't think of a good reason to change so uh yeah yeah i'm a weebly girl now you very you are very much uh, an authorpreneur to the extent that you have a weekly management meeting with yourself, uh, which which uh, which I I found fascinating. But actually, I think it's a really important point that you you're running a business here, aren't you? And therefore, you need to think strategy, marketing. You need to look at the money and all these things. Can you can you talk us through that that weekly yeah. management meeting? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, it's all part of my overall strategy. I think I'm I'm quite a type A personality. You know, I have to. I, I'm very driven, and you know, I have to do things like have meetings with myself. You know, to, in order to to operate at full potential. I think, but 
that uh, just makes sense to me to actually sit down with myself once a week, do things like I review my sales, you know, my marketing, and just make sure I'm heading in the way that I want to go. But I think that's partly down to my accountancy training. You know, I spent 28 years in, as an accountant, and it gave me very much a business head for things, I think. Um, you know, some authors might find this gobsmacking but you know I keep a timesheet of my time so you know I record all my working hours to make sure I'm you know I'm not messing around on social media when I should be writing and I, I review that as part of the weekly meeting it just keeps me on track and focused to be honest um, as, as you know reaching out from the weekly thing I also sort of you know have my time structured in, in months and quarters pretty much up to the end of the year just to keep me on track to be honest and uh, once a year, I have a, an almighty huge meeting with myself, you know, like the mother of all meetings, where I sort of set plans and goals for the next year, and, you know, just to make sure I'm on track, to be honest. Like I say, I'm, I'm quite a type A personality, so for me, that's all, that's all uh, you know, what I like to do, really, to keep myself going. That's all right. Don't worry. I've got a quarterly planning board just to my left here with all my, <laughs> with all my plans on it too. So don't worry. I, I can relate. I'm exactly can, the same. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. My favourite really, quote is from Robin Sharma, who says, "What gets scheduled gets done." It's absolutely true. Yes, you know, I've got um, you know, I, I use my uh, I use Mozilla uh, Firefox and uh, not Firefox Thunderbird, and I've got all my writing tasks scheduled what needs doing so every 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 week a, a task will pop up saying yeah it's time to do your weekly blog post and you know i try to be as organized as possible with things and it it really does work so yeah i'm, I'm wholeheartedly in agreement with robin Sharma on that point now um am i correct in saying that you've had some spanish and german translations done no of, of your book? but i have got those very much in mind i was supposed to be getting them done this year but it's been it's been an absolutely hectic year for me work-wise i'm not complaining but the translations have had to slide out the window they're very much on the to-do list um but at the moment um i think that's going to have to be something i leave until at least until 2017 um but yeah you know, I would like to get my novels definitely translated into Spanish because Spanish is so so widely spoken throughout the world. Probably um, German and French as well. So, uh, yeah, I'll look into that next year. I don't know if you've heard of Babel Q, but um, I'll be using them. They operate kind of on a revenue sharing basis in the same way that I did with the audiobook. So I should be able to get them translated at no upfront cost, which is good. Well, that's very interesting. Now, I have heard of it, but I haven't dug into it. It's probably too early, you know, in, in, in the stages for me to look at it. But I'll put a, note, a link to that in the show notes because that's very interesting. I'll have a dig at that and have a look. Yeah, it looks to me like a very good website. You know, it's a very good, you know, it works in the same way that Audible does with audiobooks. You know, it puts translators in touch with, with authors and then sets up a revenue sharing program so everyone benefits. And obviously, they, they take their cut, which is fair enough, but it cuts out a lot of the a lot of a hassle to be honest so i suspect i will go down that route i'm all for an easy life really <laughs> and, and before we move on to this this new contract which don't worry i'm going to talk about but i'm saving <laughs> i'm saving it to last and um, i just want to mention um awards if we may because uh blackwater lake and the second captive they made it through to the finals of the 2016 barnes and sages e-festival of words awards is that right have i yes, got that so, right yes you've got that absolutely right paul I'm, I'm very much hoping they're going to win in their categories but um i think it's the voting closes uh, mid-august 
so it's still open but yeah I, I'm absolutely I was astounded by that I still don't know who nominated me and um, but you know I'm very grateful for whoever did nominate me I've got my suspicions as to who it was but nobody's yet owned up but yeah I'm <laughs> delighted to say that yeah Blackwater Nights has been nominated for best novella and the second captive for best novel you know and absolutely delighted you know it's, that that one hit me out of the out of the blue I had no idea so that's good have you had an award strategy in the past do you go in for prizes and things like that or do you no. just do the writing yeah just do the writing no it's uh, I mean I've got a novelist friend and his strategy is not to get published but to go for prizes you know he's got a totally different strategy to me you know and um I've never even thought about going for awards or prizes or anything you know it's it's always been for me oh, it's not really something I've thought about. So when I when I found out I'd been nominated for this, these prizes, I was, you know, I couldn't, couldn't quite believe it. As I said, don't know who did it, but I'm very grateful. So uh, even if I don't win, you know, I'm very, very happy to have made it through to the finals. So, yeah, it's all good. You must really feel that 2016 is your year because you've just accepted this publishing deal then with Amazon's late union imprint. It, it just all suddenly, well, it all seems to be firing, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't if that's um if it's got something to do with i've got on my screensaver on my computer i've got this huge sign saying 2016 my best year yet with a big exclamation mark and it seems to be working it seems to be coming true it's been a phenomenal year for me you know and i've got got more good things to come i'm hoping to get a short story published in, a, in an anthology which will be due out for christmas and i'm excited about that because it's the proceeds are going to be donated entirely to charities going to Great Ormond Street Hospital and UNICEF. So I'm very, very pleased and proud to be part of that. That's That's been a new development that's only sort of, you know, cropped up this week, to be honest. So that'll be good. Um, yeah, I've got a, a book being published in November, another next March, and I'm hoping to write a novella before Christmas. So, yeah, it's all, it's all happening for me. It really is. Tell me it's about good. this... T- Tell me about this deal. Do, do, do they go come to you? Do you go to them? How does it work? Well, that was kind of the stuff of which dreams are made. It really is. You know, I'd finished. It came out of the blue, a bit like my the Bards and Sages Awards. I just finished work one day, and my my mobile rang, and I almost didn't answer it because I didn't recognise the number, but I did, and I found myself talking to Amazon. And there's this lovely lady called Samia, and she was uh, raving about his kidnapper shoes, and she started telling me how much she'd enjoyed it and how you know she found it very very moving and how, how it's going to stay with her for a long time and I was thinking well this is all very nice but you know this is a bit unusual you know you don't normally get people from Amazon ring up to um you know to to use about your book and she started saying that you know she couldn't tell me too much at the time but she wanted to explore ways in which we could work together you know myself and Amazon um so I just said well fine you know uh, okay keep me posted so you know, she was quite mysterious about it and said, well, I can't tell you too much, but I'll, I'll be in touch in a couple of weeks. And she was as good as her word. And she just said, when she came back to me, she said, we'd like to offer you a publishing contract for his kidnapper's shoes to republish it under our brand, under the late union imprint. And we're also interested in the book you're, you're writing at the moment. So she requested a synopsis of the one I'm, I'm working on at the moment, which is called Burning Obsession. And she had had a look at it and you know a bit later on she came back and said okay we definitely want to offer you a contract for both these books so I was like yeah yes please yeah no I'll have some of that you know sounds good to me 
And for somebody then who'd rejected traditional publishing, presumably this is kind of like a hybrid deal. This this gives you the freedoms that you're after. Is it is it better than a traditional deal? Yeah, much better. I mean, I'm, I'm not under terms of my contract. I'm not allowed to say too much about the financial, well, anything at all really about the financial side. But I will just say that it it's substantially better than a traditional contract. Um, Amazon, they just do things differently. You know, they're they're giants in their field. You know, the publishing contract which I have signed is very, very different to the the one I was offered like two to three years back. You know, there's no no comparison really. They I have to say they've been a joy to work with. They really have. Um, I've heard some horror stories from traditionally published authors about what their publishers are like to work with. And so far, Amazon have been an absolute delight. I really, I have no regrets whatsoever uh, about signing with them. Um, I took some advice from other authors who are also, you know, under the late union banner. And they said the same thing, you know, they've got no regrets. They're wonderful to work with and it's you know been fabulous for their careers so um i can't really wait to get going as i say his kidnapper shoes is going to be republished by late union in november and uh, you know hopefully that will kick start another you know successful chapter in my in my career i'm interested why they don't then bring in the subsequent novels because uh, i mean presumably you're going to get a trickle effect from all of this uh, when his kidnapper shoes comes out and I, i'm interested that they haven't gone for the other novels that you've written to, to get that kickback because you're going to get the benefit of that presumably uh, that's what i'm hoping for yes i mean that's what you know a lot of authors are saying that the best position to be in is to be a hybrid author where you're part traditionally not not traditionally published but you're part you know, published with an imprint from Lake, from Amazon, and also you've got your own self-published books, which is the position I'll be in. So yeah, I am anticipating that, you know, particularly as I'm getting the other books professionally edited, so hopefully they, they should be, you know, more polished by then. I'm hoping to reap the benefit from that. I suspect Amazon play a waiting game. If my other books start taking off and, and do really well, they might then come to me and say, well, we'd like to get in on the action. Would you like, like us to bring them under the uh, the umbrella of late union i'm not sure but um you know I'm, I'm pretty happy at the moment that they've they decided to take on my current work in progress as well because which they didn't have to do so you know it's all indicating to me that they've they've got a lot of faith in me that things can, will go well it's it's not impossible you know down the line that we might talk about bringing the others on board as well We'll have to it's say, a wonderful achievement. It's very exciting. It's Congratulations. Very, yeah, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Yes, as I said, it came completely out of the blue. It's, um, you know, it. I was on cloud nine for weeks. I really was. And it was difficult because until I signed the contract, I thought I better not tell anyone on social media. And it, it was actually fantastic. The day I, you know, I went live with the news on Facebook and my, my Facebook page was just pinging all day, you know, with messages of support and congratulations. And, you know, it's, it's you know, people were saying, how did you do it and all this? And I was like, well, I didn't really do anything. I just took a phone call one day. It was it was amazing. It's lovely when it fires. No, it's really, really lovely to hear that story. I'm really, really pleased to hear that. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so looking at that planning board, <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what, what's coming next then? That's, what are the immediate priorities? What are we going to see coming out from you next? Just, just to summarise that, if you would. Yeah, to summarise, the next one that will be... Re- is the republication of his kidnapper shoes. Um, I will be writing a novella between now and Christmas, so I'll be publishing that in the new, early in the new year, probably around about the time that Burning Obsession gets published. That's scheduled for publication next March. And then next year I want to start 
moving forward with not just writing other books, but getting my books translated, getting them all into audiobooks. My priority at the moment is to revamp the ones that aren't falling under the late union imprint so that they're as polished and professional as I can make them. So working with an editor on that, I'm hoping to get them back from the editor quite soon. Um, so that's really, I've just got my focus on the time period between now and the end of the year. How 2017 is going to shape up, I'm not sure. I'll have to have to schedule that for one of my planning meetings, I suspect. <laughs> and you'll have to get a screensaver that says 2017 is going to be my best year, yes, I think. It obviously well, yeah. works for you. Well, yes, yeah, we're to treat, you know, so far. I mean, 2016 has, has been great, you know, not just with, you know, things like, like getting the Bards and Sage nomination and the Amazon contract and everything, but just extending my, my contacts within the writing world, you know. I've, it's been this year that, I've, you know, I've really really start making a lot more author friends, you know, including the lady who's now a full-time novelist who used to be a police officer and everything, you know, so that's, that for me has been very rewarding, you know, I've started to go into um, writing and blogging events and just extending my contracts, you know, with it, within the profession, it, that's been very enjoyable, really has. Now, I usually say this is my last question, but for you, it's going to be my penultimate question because I have a, a, a final question for you. So my penultimate question is, where can we find you online? Well, I think um, my website is, is one-stop stop, really, for my all my books and everything. So it's www.maggiejamesfiction.com. You know, that's the site of my blog. You can sign up for my, my newsletter there, you know, get one of my my books for free if you sign up so i think pretty much everything you need to know about maggie james fiction is is at that site so it's www.maggiejamesfiction.com fabulous and that final question that i want to ask you because i think that your story is reflective of, of so many people who want to write and don't if you were talking to yourself in 2016 the accountant sitting there wondering if you were ever going to get that novel written and, and reach your achievement what would you be saying to yourself what would you whisper in your ear i'm not sure i'd whisper in my ear i th think i would plant my book firmly up my own backside <laughs> i really would you know now it just it just seems amazing to me that i procrastinated for so long so I, if i was to whisper in my ear i would say just get on and do it because you will never ever regret it you know really won't you know i don't think people who follow their dreams I, d I suspect they rarely regret it you know i don't many people say oh i wish i stayed an accountant you know instead of going off traveling and writing a novel <laughs> you know it's just it's, there's everything to play for really you just have to get over that hurdle get over yourself and your fears and, and just do, do it thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys if you enjoyed the show please consider sharing it with your indie author friends or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. If you're new to self-publishing, you might also like to check out selfpublishingacademy.com, the step-by-step -step guide to getting your manuscript off your hard drive and into print. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.